Nervous Habits. How's it going, guys? Welcome to Nervous Habits. This is going to be a historically short introduction by me, um, just because I'm I'm anxious to dive into this episode with Austin Nasso, a an immensely talented impressionist and comedian. I was introduced to Austin by a good friend of mine at law school, and I've been following his comedy over the last couple months on Instagram and TikTok. He does these extraordinary uh, impressions of uh, figures like uh, Trump and, and Biden. And this is this will be an episode that I release on YouTube as well, which obviously I don't do too often. I've been doing it a little bit this year. Um, but definitely, whether or not you listen to the audio of this on Apple Podcasts, make sure to, to check out the YouTube video as well this week because I do feel like Austin's impressions are so um, uncanny that you really need to watch the video in order to get the Um, get the full benefit of the impression. So check out the YouTube video on my channel, Nervous Habits Podcast. And yeah, you'll see, you'll also see in the video, like I tried my best to keep a straight face, kind of play the part of the interviewer, but it was so goddamn challenging because his impressions just cracked me up. And in case you're wondering, like everything that that I ask him and everything that he says is improvised. So he didn't plan out his, um, He didn't plan any of his responses. But enough talking by me. I want to get to the episode. And then after the episode, I'll have a little bit more to say about Austin and about um, his comedy. But without further ado, my conversation with the very talented Austin Nasso. My friends, it is my great honor to welcome to Nervous Habits Podcast the 46th president of these United States of America, uh, Joseph Biden Jr. President Biden, welcome to the show. Boys, thanks for having me, man. Thanks. Look. Look, I've been on. Look, I love Casa. Casarai, more fishing last week. Casarai, as far as the eyes can see, man, caught caught a bass, six inches long. Love podcast catching. Okay, so President Biden, you've been on podcasts before, or is this is this the first one that you've been on? Look, folks, told you I was on a ship last week, catching catching fish. Mm-hmm. Po- podcast, look. Podcast. It's like radio, right? Radio. What is this? President Biden, you might not know this. This is the 69th episode of our show. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the significance of, of the number 69? Number 69, I'll tell you a story, man. I was when 1969, I turned 61 years old, 61st birthday. I had my quinceanera. And I remember 69, man. Summer 69 is a crazy time. Left and right, I was getting laid. Getting laid, left and right. Ladies coming at me, coming at me with the lift the blouses up. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mr. President, uh, sorry for the, the digression. I, I think listeners might be curious to learn a little bit about what your day's like as president. What time do you usually wake up and what time do you go to sleep? I bet you have a packed schedule. Sure, folks. I, I wake up very early in the morning. I have my oatmeal exactly 5.15 in the morning. Wake up real early and get a good, get a good, uh, good night's sleep. I have my beauty sleep. Then when I go to bed, make sure I'm in bed by 5.30 p.m. every night. Folks, you got to get early sleep. Early start, early, early to rise. Or like dough. You leave dough out. Put dough, you water, eggs. Let the dough rise. It's like me. Okay, Mr. President. So, so it's all about getting an early start in the morning. Um, I know the Secret Service is usually pretty close by. Do they know that you're taking this, this call right now? Or, or are you kind of keeping it, keeping it on the down low? Man, look. Look, I got Char- man, we got Charlie's always on my ass, man. He's my number one. He's a good guy, Charlie. Good agent. But he's always on my ass. So I told Charlie, I said, Charlie, I'm going to be in the bathroom for a while. My stomach hurts. Oatmeal is a little raw. So I'm taking this from my bathroom right now. 
got a big bathroom in the White House. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine so, uh, Mr. President. So not a lot of not a lot of privacy. The other day, I, I think there was a news story that broke. You called your vice president, Kamala Harris, uh, President Harris. Was that a, a mistake or, or, you know, how are things with the vice president right now? Well, look, Kamala, Kamala is a very great man, good woman. We love Kamala. She's doing a fantastic job. And I'm training her. I look at her as like an apprentice, like a mentee. You know, if one day, you know, anything, I'm training her to be president. She'd follow my footsteps. So you just, sometimes I call her president and boost her ego a little bit. Prepare, just prepare just in case. I'm sorry, Mr. President. Training. Are you saying that you don't expect to complete your term, Mr. President? You're expecting. Oh, so like no one knows how a lot. Everyone's time on the earth is limited, man. Everyone's time is limited. You don't know when it's again. Could be right now. It could be tomorrow. Could be two years from now. But anyway, if I drop dead, we put Kimmel in. Kimmel we're putting her in there, man. Right, Mr. President. Well, well, hopefully the vice president is healthy and both you and, and she live long, uh, fruitful lives. Listeners are probably also curious about the Build Back Better bill. Uh, where, What's the status of that right now? Are you are you working with Congress? Folks, we're working very hard with the Congress. And they look, look, we're building back, build a bear, building them back. Like, have you ever been to a mall? Maybe you've been to a mall in Connecticut, New Jersey. You go to the upper floor, sometimes they have build a bear. Haven't seen them for a couple of years. We're building back Build-A-Bears, bringing back Build-A-Bears. Mm -hmm. See, ever see a little boy going to a Build-A-Bear? They, they, they build a bear of their dreams. They stick the little heart in. They sew it all up. They bring Teddy home to mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy and the dog Chuck. Look, the, the smile on that little boy's face is priceless. And we want to bring that smile to Build-A-Bear. Brought to every boy and girl in America about 10 to 13 years ago. We want to bring that to every boy, woman, man, child, alligator in the country. So Congress, we're working with Congress. They, we didn't pass anything yet. We're building, we're building up the infrastructure, building up to build the bears. We're working on it. That's great to hear, Mr. President. I, I want to ask you one more question. Um, if you could go back to, you know, have a conversation with your 18-year-old self, what sort of advice would you give him? My 18-year-old self, back when I was a young whippersnapper, sharp as a whip, sharp as a saw. I'd probably say this. I'd say, look. There's not a lot of hope right now, man. Because back then, it was, I believe it was, uh, it was the dark ages. You know, rats were spreading the biggest illness in the world, bubonic plague going around. People looked like giant birds with their masks on. The, the 15th century, is that when you're referring to? 16th century? 15th century. 15th century. I would tell myself, I'd say, for look, it might be dark, it might be bleak, but there's a renaissance coming. There's a renaissance coming. There's, they're going to make paintings. They're going to make science. They're going to, the earth, we're going to find out the earth isn't flat. There is so much to learn, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? Okay, Mr. President, I'm sure Charlie's wondering where you are and it's coming up on 530. So, uh, oh, I'll let you, Charlie. Relax. I'll let you, oh, so here in pain. Kidney stones. I'll let you return to your midday nap, Mr. President. Uh, we have to get to our next guest, but thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to join me. Happy beer. Happy to be back. Happy to be black. Okay, my friends, uh, next we are going to be joined by former President Donald John Trump. Uh, President Trump, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Nervous Habits. You know, I heard a lot of incredible things about this show. The Nervous Habits, it is a, what a fantastic, what is it? They call it a, a pod. What is this? Mm -hmm. But I heard a lot of things. People are talking about it. They're saying incredible things. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate the the kind words, Mr. President. I got to ask you, you know, you haven't been in the White House for a couple of years. What do you miss most about it? You know, it's tough to say. It's really tough to say. Carl, is that your name, Carl? Ricky. Ricky, it's tough to say because, you know, the White House is, there's a certain energy to it. There's a hustle. There's a bustle. And quite frankly, one thing I really miss the most, they made, I don't know if you know this, they made fantastic toast, French mm. toast. They make French toast every morning and it is gorgeous. They have these cinnamon swirls and it is it is the most incredible toast we've ever seen. Yeah, no, I, I have not heard about that, but it, it's good to know that that's what you miss most about your time in the White House. I know that- And let me tell you, they had this blueberry jam. They bring out this jam and- mm. You know, they bring this jam. They don't bring any jam, not any normal jam. They bring it from, they import it from Tennessee because we know Tennessee has the best jam. And we had the, they brought in the champagne from Champagne, France. Did you know if it comes from anywhere else, they don't call it champagne? No, I didn't know that. Uh, that's 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 really helpful to, to hear President Trump, uh, the champagne, the French toast. Uh, listen, when you were president, your schedules were always public. Anyone could see what you're doing at any given moment. I noticed a lot of executive time in your schedules that wasn't public information. How did you spend that time? Look, as a president, you need to spend your executive time. You need to mind your own business because people, they want to, they want your time. They'll take it. They will take your time. They'll kill you for it. That's what they'll do. So sometimes I had to take out time to do my own business. I had to do, you know, you have to do. You know, you have gentlemen, when you're a gentleman, you do certain business, you do certain business and you have to, you have a, a release to do it. You have to release a certain, you get a lot of stress. You get a lot of people that are coming at you in the White House all the time. They need you for this. They want you to look at the nuclear codes, review the codes, look at Iran as a problem, nasty little rocket man as an issue. You get very stressed. So sometimes you need to release. Hmm. And, and what are we talking about when you say release, Mr. President? When, when you turn 13, you watch certain videos. You watch, I don't know, you wait, maybe you play, you read the newspapers. The newspapers, like the uh, Playboys, we love Playboy. Mm -hmm. We love, um, there's Maxim Magazine, what a fantastic magazine that is. And you know, you have to do certain work. It's a duty as an American, as a man, you do certain things. You do, you do a lot of work and you have to do it because if you don't do it, it's not, it's not natural. Mm. It's not natural to not do it. That yeah, that that's really helpful. I think to to maybe our male audience, uh, Mr. President, and and you know, I know that you're very proud of your diet. Your physical regimen is a point of pride for listeners. I would spend hours doing it. By the way, I would spend hours doing the, the, it, and mm. and I spend probably more time than anybody doing it because I see the value in it, and not a lot of Americans see the value in it. Really really twisting it up, shaking it around. You got to do it all. You have to do it because it's sick if you don't do it. And the Democrats, you look at the lying Democrats, they won't do it. They won't do it. No one, they'll do it. They'll only do it when there is, when there's photos of them surfacing online. That's when they'll do it. They'll do it with a little Nicaraguan boy under their desk. That's when they'll do it. They'll do, they love the scandals, the Democrats. They'll do it with the scandals. Mm. But I am transparent. I'm honest. I do it every day. We do it three to four hours a day. I'm sorry. Just nobody to, does it like uh, we're me. talking about you and Melania or, or just by yourself. We're talking about the executive, executive time. What I said, the executive demand when, you know, a male, they do a certain thing with their body. They do it by themselves. They play solitaire. 
I, I want to ask about other, you know, aspects. Some days I would go four hours, five hours, six hours. We okay. had one week. I remember we had what did, we had one week and the vice president, Pence, Pence came in. Pence almost he almost walks in on me. Could you imagine how embarrassing is that? He says, Donald, open up. We need to discuss this Iranian deal. I say, Pence, one more minute. And he he walks right in. He walks right in the bastard. I'm like, Pence, you better turn around or I'm going to knock you out. I'll knock you on your ass. I don't care if you're the Mr. vice president. president. Un unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to edit this part out. So so I think for the sake of your public image, we're just going to redirect the moment. I want to ask about your diet and fitness regimen. You know, for, for folks that want to live as long and, and as prosperously as you, what do you typically order when you eat at, at KFC, for example? What What's your go-to menu items? You know, we love KFC. It's one of our great American businesses, great American restaurants. And I make sure to get my daily calories in. I'm trying to do my nutritionist. They say I'm doing very well. My triglycerides are high. They do glyceride. I don't even know what they are, but they're all high. They're fantastic. The charts are great. So when I go to KFC, I order the, the, big, the big boy bowl. You have the big bowl. They have the big bucket a bucket of wings mm. and there are so many wings in that you wouldn't believe it. You could feed a small village mm -hmm. with those wings and I'll eat them all up. I'll chew them down. We'll make sure to get the cornbread. I'll eat a lot of cornbread, a lot of Mac and cheese. Right. And are you watching television when you do this or you, or, or is this just, you're sitting in the oval office? So usually I've been watching a lot of, I like, I like to see what they're saying about me. The American people, we look into that. Mm -hmm. I look at the, I read the Twitter the Twitter news, I read the fake news media, see what lies they're up to today. And I just sit there and I, I usually take a nice corner seat because when you're in the corner, they don't bother you in the corner. If you're out in the middle, they see, they see there's Donald, there he is, and they want to talk to me. I have no problem when people want to talk to me, but sometimes I want to eat my bucket of chicken and I want to read. So I go in the corner, no one can see me. I eat my chicken, I'll sit there for maybe 10 hours some days. This is how I spend wow. a lot of my Saturdays and I'll eat the chicken. I'll read the tweets and it's, it's really a fantastic way to spend your time. But Mr. President, you were, you were uh, banned from Twitter. So do you have a, a burner account? How are you accessing the, the feed? So we have a lot of ways to do it. You know, you don't want to get into it because right. Right. It's quite frankly, it's none of your concern, but we have a lot of ways to get into it. We have a lot of interns. They have Twitters. We do a lot of our best work. Okay. I, and I also want to ask, do you still keep in touch with any former leaders? I think you mentioned uh, Xi Jinping or Kim Jong-un earlier. Do, do you, you know, talk to I will regularly? say my friend group, unfortunately, it has gotten very narrow. So I like to keep my, my good friends close to me. So I've been, we've been doing weekly poker nights with Kim Jong-un. We've been playing, I've been meeting in Moscow with, uh, we call him Putin. We love Putin. A good friend of mine, the the new leader of the Afghan. We love the new Islamic state leader. He's fantastic. Okay. Coming to mind. You know, you have to, these people are demonized by the, the fake news media. They're criminalized, but if you get to know them, they're good people. They're kind. They have families. They have little dogs. I'm sorry, President Trump. We're speaking about autocrats and ruthless uh, tyrants and dictators. And, and you know, you say you say autocrat and I say tomato because the reality is, you know, you don't really know. And I always say this. You can't judge a person by the crimes against humanity that they've committed. You have to really see their values. You have to meet with them. You have to eat a a taco together. You okay. have to I'm play sorry, a game of tennis to really understand somebody. 
I'm sorry, President Trump. It looks like we have to get to our next guest, but I, I want to thank you very much for joining me and hope you'll come back again soon. And I want to say we're upping it this year. 2022 is a great year. We're looking into increasing the executive time to seven, maybe eight hours a day. We're going to work very hard on it and we are going to win in 2024. We're going to outlive Biden. That's the goal. That's the campaign slogan. Outlive Biden 2024. Oh, wow. All right, President Trump. Well, thanks for joining us. Take care. Okay. Now it's my great pleasure to welcome to the podcast, the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. Do you go by Jeff? Jeffrey, Mr. Bezos, what do you prefer? You can really call me Jeffrey. I honestly, whatever floats your boat, whatever works for you, I really don't mind. Okay, Jeffrey. Uh, so, in one day at Amazon, you know, you earn up to two hundred and five million dollars. Uh, what what exactly do you spend all your money on? Look, you know, lately, you know, people say that I'm making a lot of money, but that's not entirely correct. Because most of my money is actually in the equity of Amazon. So it's not really liquid. I actually didn't even pay myself a salary. However, sometimes I do sell some of my stocks for cash. And in that case, I'll spend my money mostly on taking out my beautiful, gorgeous wife. I'll take her to the beach. And maybe we'll buy tacos on the beach and have a good time. Uh, Jeffrey, I, I believe you're, you're divorced from your, are you talking about your ex-wife or your current girlfriend? Yeah, now's probably a good time to let everyone know that we're engaged. So obviously Mackenzie and I, we've broken up. Right. But me and my new girlfriend are now getting engaged very soon. I really, really love Lauren. She's a fantastic girlfriend of mine. Mm -hmm. She does great work. And, you know, she really cares. And she cares about people. She, she cares about animals. She's really a, a beautiful woman inside and out. Okay, Jeffrey. And, and why, you know, I know it's one of your life goals with Blue Origin to set up a colony on the moon. What's behind this, this motivation you have to get to the moon so badly? To be honest, once I saw that Elon was going to Mars, I knew that I had to do it too, because my cock is bigger than his. Do you really think that that's a, a justifiable motivation to, to, to spend billions of dollars to no, set look, up a moon colony, especially would, when, when the poverty level across the world is at such a high, you know, it's, people are dying from hunger everywhere. Look, I want to save the human race as much as the next guy. But really, at the end of the day, what motivates man throughout the centuries? You look and you look at the, the great Athenians. They were inspired by by marriage and by a woman. I, I can't recall the story, but I know there was like this famous woman that they fought for. So men are really motivated by, by their phallic desires. And for me, when I look at the size of my cock, I, you know, I really have something to prove because it is remarkably small for a man of my wealth. Uh, Jeffrey, I'm, I'm not sure quite how to respond to that, except to take your assertion. Look, you can always get more money. <clears throat> always make more money but even and i believe me i've clipped all the ads that grow your dick four inches in six days i've clipped them all and you know doctors will hate you i've been there i've done that and the reality is there's no amount of money you can throw to grow an organic cock that is large so instead i, I view racing to space as almost like a proxy see a therapeutic way where I can take self-control of my life. And I've been talking to my therapist about this. Okay. And they said, you know, Bezos, maybe you need to take a sense of control. Maybe this is lack of control 
that is making you feel anxious. So I said, I'm going to apply my money to getting in outer space instead of growing my magnificent, magnificently small car. Mm. The last question I had for you, uh, one of the most popular songs from 2021 uh, was actually inspired by you. So, so I want to ask, how does this song make you feel? I'm a really big fan of comedy. I, I, you know, Bo Burnham, he's a great friend of mine. I really enjoy him. And Bo Burnham, you know, I really like Bo Burnham. And, you know, after that, I saw that this, you know, is getting so popular and it made me feel a little uncomfortable because I'm like, is he admiring me or is he making fun of me? But I really feel that it shows a sense of deep admiration when you're so part of the cultural fabric that people are singing songs about you. Like for me as a young boy, I would always look at the ancient Greeks and the ancient Egyptians and imagine that one day the village people would sing songs of folklore about me. And the fact that this is happening is really surreal. So I really admire Bo Burnham. I purchased his record label and I did dissolve it. Okay. Well, I was going to say that Bo Burnham has been very forthright about his detest for the the corporate elite uh, and for the you know folks in your stratosphere of income. So I'm not quite so certain that the song was meant to be an homage. Uh, but if you dissolved his record company, it sounds like you've you've already addressed it. Jeffrey. Yeah, we've addressed it. You know, it was brought to my attention. I was flattered at first. We don't want any more songs like that. It could be dangerous to my public image. Mm-hmm. So we did purchase it. It is part of Amazon Music and it will be no longer distributed as of 2023. Okay, that, that's good to know, Jeffrey. We have to get to our next guest now. Thanks for joining us. Hope to have you back again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Friends, our next guest is the former governor of the great state of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Governor, welcome to Nervous Habits. Thank you so much for having me, Ricky. I really appreciate being on your show. You know, Governor, it's been a rough couple of years for you. What with the the spread of COVID-19 and your family's unceremonious fall from grace. Do you have any regrets about what went on? You know, it's very unfortunate that the Democrats of New York and the Republicans, they choose to focus on something so frivolous, such as a couple boob touches here and there. We have a lot more to worry about in New York. Crime is at an all-time high. COVID-19 cases are higher than ever. I mean, look at the numbers. Today, New York has seen approximately 5,326 new cases, which is very bad. Mm. Omicron surge is higher than ever. Let's have another number, 201. Those are the deaths today alone in New York. And I will leave you with one more number, 112. These are how many boob touches I was alleged to have done, which I have not done. What is a boob touch? What is it? How can it be proved? Mm -hmm. I did not touch a boob. There was no touch. It was, they say, a hover hand at best. You know, Governor, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. It's almost the elephant in the room here. I think listeners remember one of the, the you know, most salient memories they have from your, your tenure as governor 
is during your press conference on the sexual harassment allegations, there was a montage you created, Governor, of yourself kissing relatives and friends and colleagues in response to the to the allegations. How long did that take you to assemble or take your, your team to assemble? Look, they were able to assemble it in a matter of seconds because the reality is I am an Italian man. I kiss cheeks. I kiss face cheeks. I kiss butt cheeks. I do whatever I have to do to kiss. My lips make contact with skin. I'm Italian, period. That is how Italian people work. We are a loving kind. We see people that we love and admire and we kiss. It is very simple. It is part of the Italian heritage. Sometimes I go too far and I kiss the boobs. That is wrong. That is wrong. I will admit, but I have never kissed the boobs of someone who did not want to be kissed. You know, I want to ask about your, your, you know, how you're treated when you return to New York. Do you often get heckled when you ride the subway? Do people still say things to you even after your, your, your tenure has ended? Unfortunately, recently I had to go into New York in disguise. It's very unfortunate. Recently, I have a very long beard that I wear. I have a top hat. I disguise myself as a Orthodox Jew. And the reason I do this is because even though the Orthodox Jewish community, as we know, is a victim to violence, we know this. We know they are being attacked on the streets. I do not condone this. However, an Orthodox Jew would receive less violence on the streets than myself. So I figure I still deserve some violence, but not all the violence that the people want to give to me. So I disguise myself. One time I remember before I had my disguise, my getup, when I went into New York, I was captured by New Yorkers. It was a renegade band of construction workers. And I was just walking in the street. I went to get pizza and they circled me. I look around. There's all these Italian construction workers, my people, my paisanos. And they captured me and they put me in a small glass cage. You wouldn't believe this. They took me. They brought me into the construction site and they put me in a little cage. From there, they held me hostage for two days. Uh, they Governor, don't tell did, you about this. Yeah, why didn't? Why wasn't this broadcast? This wasn't covered media. because I was a villain. I was villainized. I was a criminal to the American public, and I was captured by these construction workers. And they said they were going to tar and feather me, and draw and quarter me in Times Square. How did you get away? You're obviously here with us now. What what happened? When one of so essentially what would happen was I would sleep in this little glass cage and they would feed me the ends of pizza. And one day they they surprised me with a small calzone, but usually it was the crust of pizza. So I'd sleep on this barren floor in this glass crate. And I noticed that one time the 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 construction worker they had on guard, they would take turns and shifts. So at night, one of them fell asleep and I knew it was my opportunity to escape. I essentially climbed out of the cage. It was an open air. It was a cage where it was four walls. Right. But there was a top. They wanted me to have sunlight like a plant. So I was able to crawl out when they were not looking and I blinded him like the Cyclops and Mm. I ran away. Wow. That, I mean, Governor, I, I'm not part of your public relations team, but I would think, you know, if this information got out, people might be more sympathetic to your cause. So thank you for, for joining me. Anything else you want to leave, leave listeners with? 
Look, I want to leave them with this. New Yorkers, stay safe. Wear a mask on your face and on your boobs. Because the reality is we don't want another situation to happen mm-hmm. where an innocent Italian man is doing a hover hand and they are accused of a crime they did not commit. There is no crime with the hover hand. Okay. All right, Governor. Th- uh, thank you for, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Friends, our last guest for today is conservative political commentator, Benjamin Shapiro. Ben, welcome to Nervous Habits. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. First of all, I, I don't really, based on your previous episodes, I can't really tell if you're a liberal or not. I, I guess what, what I'm looking at is, are you going to use this footage against me in any way? Ben, we don't, we don't intend to broadcast you in, in a favorable, unfavorable light. We're just going to ask you questions. We try to be as objective as, as possible on the pod. But right out of the gate, you know, I'd like to clear something up for listeners. There's a bit of uh, confusion on the internet. You, you claim to be five feet, nine inches tall, but photos of you online appear to show you at five feet, six inches tall. So, w- w- you know, which is it? If you look at the number nine and you look at the number six, they're very similar numbers. So it is largely possible that these people that are saying that I'm five foot six, maybe they happen to be using the wrong character on the keyboard. I mean, I've more than one, on one occasion as a small child written out the number six and met the number nine. So you have these people that they're using the number six and nine intercha- interchangeably, and they're using it to damage my image and make me appear to be a dwarf when I'm in fact a normal sized boy. Mm-hmm. And do you think these people identify with the Democratic Party? You I mean, know? absolutely. You have these, these liberals that want to tear down my image because they have this stigma for short people. They think that short people, I mean, you, you know, the, the classic Democrat liberal trope that short people have less value and that large people, these alphas, as they call them, have mm-hmm. the more value in society. And they do this thing. They, they try to trick you and on the TikTok and Instagram reels and all the, the new modern media. They, they say short king. But it is really a term of condescension. It, it is not an endearing term. They say short king as a weird, sick irony to, to kind of take away from the fact that it is disparaging, but make it appear that it is a term of endearment. So it sounds like you identify as a five foot nine male and you think there's some sort of uh, look, there's no identifying involved at all. I mean, you can look at my birth certificate. I'm born five foot nine. I'm currently five foot nine. Okay. You can look at my driver's license. I'm five foot nine. This is not a an identity politics issue. I don't identify as five foot nine. That'd be a, incredibly illogical. Ben, I'd, I'd like to move on. Do you remember the, the song WAP by Cardi B? I mean, we've heard the song. Okay. I've grown to somewhat love it. I don't entirely love it. There's a lot of flaws in it, as we all know. Ben, last year, you read the lyrics to the song online, I think on, on one of your podcasts or news segments. It went viral. Cardi B herself responded to the video. So I think listeners are wondering, you know, has your sex life with your wife improved after having heard the song WAP? Look, I'm an Orthodox Jewish male. The terms sex life and, and uh, you know, the, the modern day millennial, the Gen Zs are talking about sex. They're so wishy-washy about it. They're so avant-garde and, and experimental, sexual Sexuality for me is a biological function to reproduce. I cut a hole in a sheet with my wife when we want to have intercourse and make a child. That is it. If I'm not making a child, I don't see the point in doing this biological function. What other point does it serve? I mean, it is purely a biological function to reproduce and continue on the human race. If I'm not doing that, I don't see the point. It's a complete waste of time. So now my sex life has not gotten better because I don't subscribe to the notion that a sex life should even exist. You have your regular human life, and that is it. There should not be a a separation that the liberals like to fantasize about, that there's a sex life, there's a social life, 
there's a work-life balance. It's all nonsense. You have one life, live it right, have good values, eat good food, eat vegetables, right. go to bed early, and that's it. Ben, yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm. I apologize. I don't mean to laugh. I think the the reason for my reaction is that you tweeted a while back on Indigenous Persons Day that you and your wife currently sleep in separate bedrooms. So I'm trying to understand. Hold on. Are, are, are you referring to Christopher Columbus Day? Indigenous Persons Day. Yes. Christopher Columbus. First of all, Christopher Christopher Columbus or Cristobal Colon, as his actual original name is. I know that. You know, uh, the, the white privileged Democrats want to erase his actual name and call him Christopher Columbus. Cristobal Colon is actually the, the correct name that he was uh, assigned to at birth. He, he might identify as Christopher Columbus, but that's nonsense, as we all know. OK, Ben, Ben. But what I want to ask you about is, do you and your wife currently sleep in separate bedrooms? Because you said that you, you, have, you have sex with a sheet. So where does that take place? When we have decided when the moon is right and we decide that we want to have intercourse for a reproductive purpose, which has not been in many moons, by the way, which is totally fine. It should not be stigmatized as it is in white society. They call you a virgin. They say you are a loser if you don't have sex. Value in this white liberal society with this identity politics is ascribed to body counts, to how often you have sex. So I don't subscribe to that. I don't care about that. And quite frankly, the answer is yes. My wife and I do sleep in separate beds. We have twin mattresses on the opposite sides of the house. And we have dwellings and we have separate locks. And in fact, the entire home is partitioned. And sorry that we are adults living in, uh, you know, in a beautiful commune together. We're adults that want, we respect our separate boundaries. We respect our space, we respect one another. And we like to partition the home exactly in half. Ben, certainly, you know, we don't want to pass judgment on your lifestyle choices any more than I think we want you to pass judgment on our lifestyle choices. You mentioned being an Orthodox Jew earlier. Uh, I myself am Jewish, as is my friend Austin. How does your Jewish identity impact the way that you see politics today? The, the Jewish faith is, is a fantastic community. I believe in, in the community of it. And I think that what's happening right now is uh, the sense of community is, is being completely abolished. By these liberals and you have these i, I won't dismiss the, the far right they're, they're problematic too but they're not as problematic as the far left the far left is really ruining things and this this beautiful sense of community is being disrupted and i, I would love to see what, what what exists in the jewish faith in the jewish community that that sense of togetherness i i really would like to see that again in american politics mm -hmm. You mentioned the far left. Uh, one of the questions that, that I wanted to ask you, and this is this was sent to me by a listener. There's a photo circling the internet of a man who looks like you standing outside of uh, Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez's hotel window. It looks like, Ben, you're holding a pair of kids' Geo Safari binoculars, and there's a bottle of uh, kosher grape Fanta. Is that you? And, and if so, what, what were you doing outside of um, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez's window? First of all, that is not me, because if you were actually to measure the photo, if you actually get the photo and use measurement techniques in photographs, you'd actually see that the person standing there is, in fact, 5'6". And as we all know that I am 5'9", so that it is clearly not me. However, if I were to be standing outside of AOC, as they call her, her, her pronouns, AOC, if I were standing outside of her hotel room with a purple font and binoculars, I would probably be watching her undress. And... That was not me at all, by the way. I, I, I would never do such a thing. But this is also a problem I have with America. Just because you don't agree with one another, just because you don't see things the same way, have the same political viewpoints, doesn't mean you can't admire certain aspects of the other person. So for me, whether it is 
admiring the uh, aesthetic beauty of another person. I don't need to share the same political views. And I think that could, it should be totally fine and not stigmatized as it is today. Okay. Well, one last question for you. Um, AOC, as you just uh, referred to, has impliedly stated that she wishes to become president one day. Do you fear for uh, the prospect of a socialist uh, United States of America if, if AOC would be president? I do. I fear for the sanctity of our government. Our republic was founded upon capitalist interests. It was founded upon freedom. It was founded upon laissez-faire economics. And you have people like AOC coming in with her magical little pronouns, doing whatever the hell she wants, uh, this influencer, if you will, in the White House. And it, it quite frankly doesn't fit in. And it's a disgrace to our nation. If she is president, we will be eating out of troughs like farm animals, like in the like in 1800s Russia. I have no doubt about it. We're going to have SARS allocating our resources. I mean, you're going to have the most inefficient country in the world. America will be reduced to a third world nation. And we'll, like I said, we will be eating out of troughs, subsidized by the government with our 80% income tax. Ben, I'm, I'm going to leave you, but I think I see a case of grape Fanta in your room. I, I, I'm a little confused what, Look, why that would be there. First of all, Fanta is a fantastic beverage. It is no proxy for Manischewitz. As we all know, Manischewitz is far superior. Okay. However, the Fanta is oftentimes cheaper than Manischewitz. So that's the only reason I would ever have it in my room. I don't know if you're alluding to me being in front of that hotel room still. That was not me. I'm five foot nine, not five foot six. And I would never in real life watch AOC undress. All right, Ben, you're, you're five foot nine. Thank, thanks for listening uh, and, and hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for having me. Oh man, Austin, that was, that was so amazing. You probably could see like the whole time I was straining not to laugh, but you, you beat me down a couple of times. Um, I want to talk to you for a few more minutes at a character. So obviously like people watching and listening are, you know, going to be blown away by the amount of talent you have. How did you manage to get so good at all these impressions? Thanks dude. Um, so as a kid, I would always just do impressions, um, of like cartoons and stuff uh and just like, like who who, who are your go-to impressions so i'd always do like um i'd do like spongebob impressions like where's your secret formula crabs <laughs> oh, oh i i i put two ice cubes in your drink instead of one <laughs> like so good. come on Shrek, can i stay with you can i stay with you please Perfect. like i would just like copy all these things uh as a kid and then I, I kind of stopped. So I did stand up. Um, I started doing, I'm 26. I started doing stand up when I was 18. Mm -hmm. And I largely like didn't do impressions in my stand up. And I realized like, I don't want to like not use this skill. So I, I recently brought it back and I found that impressions were a good tool to use for like going viral. And it's like such a thing that sets you apart. And I learned new impressions because um, I don't think the cartoon ones are as relevant. So I tried to learn what would be the most relevant impression? So I tried to learn Trump, Biden, Cuomo as it was happening. You know, I mean, your your impressions on Instagram and TikTok are, are fantastic. I, I listen to them and I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to check you out when we're done. I'm wondering what have been the hardest impressions for you to master? Are there impressions you're working on that you haven't released? Or is there an impression that you do now that's just taken a lot of work to get good at? It, well, I'm still working on Rogan. I like, I don't even... I can't, I can barely do it. I don't even think I can. Like, I, I don't want to try just because it's like, yeah, no, 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 you don't have to. It takes me forever. But Rogan um, takes me forever and it's not even there yet. 
Um, Bezos is hard. I don't even know if it's, or it's fully there. Musk, I'm like not a hundred percent sure if it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of them, they, they can always be improved. That's like the, the crazy thing. Like, I don't know when they're done because like, if I look at even the Trump impression from like a year ago to now, I think it, it got better. And even though it was going viral when it started going viral, when he was like, you know, still in office, um, and same with Biden. Biden got better. Biden was hard because at first he just sounded like an old man. So I did like try to find the nuance in it. Um, yeah. Do you watch, I'm, I'm curious, like, like take us through your game tape. Do you watch footage of Biden and Trump yeah. to get, to get ideas? I'll watch their speeches and just like repeat it back. Mm. And like learn their like intonations and stuff. Okay. We're doing incredible things like that thing he does i don't know you just like pick up on little things that they do and yeah. then i try to watch interviews of people to like learn the impression or just videos of them talking what's impressive is you also have the the mannerisms and the ticks down and like for people listening on the audio i would definitely recommend you check out the video of austin's impressions on youtube as well because even with trump the way that you kind of like um, gesture with your chin a little bit. You tur- you co- you cock your head to the side. Biden, the w- the way that you like blink and, and he's like very flustered. At, you, do you know what I mean? Like like some some of that physicality, I think, kind of sets you apart as well with, with so those impressions. Funny because like that stuff, I actually don't even consciously think about any of that stuff. Yeah, I'm almost like only focusing on the voice, and then I don't know how, but that stuff just like comes from like once i get the voice right then i like end up kind of looking like them with the right face. i don't no. know how to explain it it's no it, ma- it makes total sense you it, it's like what actors do like method acting you you invite like you're no longer austin asso you're you're you know donald trump um <laughs> so i've had a bunch of comedians on here and i always like to ask them you know whether or not you you feel a pressure to always be funny like let's say you meet someone at a bar and you tell them that you do stand up or you do impressions do you immediately feel like you have to make them laugh? Um, so I do, I felt more pressure to always be funny even before I was like doing comedy. So I just felt like I had to be a funny person growing up, but more so now I don't even like telling people I do comedy. Cause I feel like there is this like tension of an expectation of like, all right, is this guy even funny? You're not funny. What the hell? Like you have to like show them that you're funny. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really care anymore. I feel like <laughs> if I'm just not, I don't care anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, you can just watch my videos. Well, just, I just tell them like, Hey man, like what? Come to my show. Like, yeah, like exactly. you, you, you just stand I mean, up. It's it, like, it naturally comes up that I'm funny. Then that's great. Um, but I don't want to like do like stand up for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that, that's annoying. Especially at like a crowded bar. They're like, Oh, tell us a joke. It's like, no, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like in Finding Nemo. what do you, yeah, exactly. What, what do you find funny? Like, like when you were growing up, what were your favorite, um, comedians or, or, you know, comedic influences, things like that. All my, my comedic influences were SpongeBob, <laughs> good, good neighbor stuff. Um, Kroll show, probably some episodes, Key and Peele, um, Louis CK. I really like the, I like funny cartoons. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, Shrek is so fucking funny. Yeah. Are there, you mentioned Louis CK, like, is there one stand-up comic or comedian whose career you'd like to emulate? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I really admire the humor of like Louis CK and like Jim Carrey and like, I like comedic actors like Ben Stiller and Will Ferrell, like those classics. 
But career wise, I would actually want to emulate um, Trevor Wallace, what he's doing. Mm. Um, I think that's the future career. I think that's the best route, um, which is basically blow up online, have your own brand, be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. and also be a huge comic. Yeah. No, dude, I, I, I could... I could definitely see you see you heading in that direction um, sooner than you think. And you talked about doing stand up uh, for you know people who haven't done stand up before. Think back to kind of like your first experience being up on stage. Did you get any laughs? Were there any awkward silences? Like like you know what was that like? Dude, my first time ever on stage was ten years ago when I was sixteen at a UCLA film camp. My friends made me go up and do impressions, and. Um, I was so nervous, but then I just did my impressions and they did really well. Yeah. So it was great. And then I did open mics after that. I'll do. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll I guess take us through the, the open mic just cause I, um, I think, you know, listeners that are maybe on the fence about themselves trying stand up or, or singing or whatever. Um, you know, I think it's encouraging to hear about like people who are successful or, or at least like really, really talented, right. you know, like, like what, when, when you bombed an open mics, like, like what, what was that like? truly terrible i would go when i was like in in senior year of high school before college i would go to these mics in new york city and i thought i was so funny because i was like the funniest person among my friends and then i would go up and no one would laugh at all and i would just humiliate myself and be be so not funny it was just like truly like a tragedy i was like wearing like cargo shorts and fucking like um like a tank top and I would just be look like such a douchey idiot from Connecticut. And I was incredibly unfunny, like remarkably. Um, but you have to just do it. You have to just go up. I would get so nervous that my immune system, like I had so much anxiety that my immune system went down and I got sick. Really? Yeah. I'm not, not like sick, sick. I just got like a cold because I was so nervous to perform. You know, um, it's, it gets really hot up there. Like when you're staring into the lights, you just start like sweating bullets and then the time moves so slow. Like you'll do, you'll do like a five minute set. It feels like an hour. Or even if you're bombing like 10 seconds and you're like, fuck, have I been on here? Like, the entire, you know what I mean? Yeah. The first couple of times are really scary, but then when you get through it and you're over it and then you can just go on stage, it's the best. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and um, you know, you, it, it sounds like you're doing more stand up now. You're doing shows in Los Angeles, um, potentially other places soon. It yeah. seems like you're getting more comfortable. Yeah, dude, I've been doing it now. I've been doing it for like eight years. I mean, I don't count the two years from when I first did it to mm-hmm. open mics, but like probably like eight years and I quit my job in August to really focus on it. So I'm really going to go for it now. Um, and yeah, it's hard to get stage time in LA, but I'm trying. I'm literally <laughs> like DMing people to, to get on their shows. Seeing how um, yeah, man. I mean, did you ever think about, I mean, I, I don't know like, like how tied you are to the West coast. I know um, when I lived in New York, the comedy circuit was, was it, it's challenging, but there's opportunities for sure uh, in downtown Manhattan. So have you thought about like, like doing anything in New York? Yeah, dude, I think in a year I'm going to go to New York. Um, right now I'm just going to do content here. I'm in Santa Monica. It's so nice by the beach. Marlena, want, my girlfriend wants to go uh, get a change of pace and go to New York for like a year. So yeah. I think we're going to go do that and I'll just do stand up there and then yeah, see how it goes. Yeah, That's I'll awesome, see. man. Well, I'll, I'll be in New York, and and um, as will I think lots of your friends and uh, you know lots of people we know. So I want to close things out. Uh, I sometimes like to hit guests with a couple of rapid fire, you know, you questions. Um, so I writ I wrote down twenty, 
Let's see how many we can get through in 60 seconds. Just say, the key is just say the first thing that comes to mind. Don't censor yourself. If it's horrendous, I can always beep it out. Okay? okay cool. Yeah. All right. 60 seconds on the clock. Whenever you're ready, Austin. All right, let's go. Go. What emoji do you use the most? Uh, the one that's like, ah. Uh, <laughs> what do you most often end up eating for dinner? Uh, probably sog paneer. <laughs> what do you say when you answer the phone? Hey, what's up? What's the last thing you watched on TV? Uh, I don't know. Fuck. What did I watch on TV? I don't know. The new um, uh, Credit Kid. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Blink-182, I Miss You. What word do you absolutely hate? I don't know. I don't, I don't. Uh, what's... All right. Pass. What's the worst thing you've ever eaten from a restaurant? Worst thing ever? Yeah. Uh, I, I had a, like a really bad salad. Honestly. If you could learn any language in a week, what would it be? Mandarin. What do you impulse buy most often at the supermarket? Sog paneer. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be any character in a TV show, what character would you be? What character would I be? Um, I would be uh, probably just like Frank Caliendo, just doing impressions. What's a weird quirk you have? Weird quirk? I just like I'll keep uh, interrupt people and tell jokes. Oh, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Worst movie? Uh, Drag Me to Hell. Last thing you searched on Google? I don't know. Probably like investment properties. What celebrity do you find super annoying? Super annoying. Oh, God. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, like Britney Spears. What, what do you look like when you dance? Bad. Not good. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Uh, like not, no time. I'm just ready. I'm just ready. Who's Netflix, whose Netflix account are you on? Mine. Uh, if your life is a country song, what would it be titled? home is where the heart is all right whatever yeah you're yeah, no man you're you're like 40 seconds over but but you did it you got through all of them <laughs> i, I love that, that man 40 seconds over you, yeah whatever you, i mean you really like sog paneer i think i think i'm inspired i might eat that later really um good. listen man it's so great you can join me today i really appreciate you taking the time to chat uh where can listeners go to find you on the socials to see your impressions and listen to your stand-up Austin Nasso. Just look me up on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. How is that spelled? Oh, yeah. So Austin, <laughs> right, you're A-U-S-T-I-N and then Nasso and like Nancy A-S-S-O. A-S-S-O. TikTok, uh, YouTube you're oh, on, right? Yeah. Everything, yeah. Austin in Nasso. Instagram. And you're doing stand-up in California and Santa Monica for people listening on the West Coast. Yeah, and I'm going to, uh, I'm trying to tour soon. So sign up on my, uh, in my bio. I have a little link. In your bio on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Austin Asser, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, dude. There you have it, guys. That was my conversation with Austin Nasso. And as promised, just an otherworldly talent. Um, every time I show people his impressions, specifically uh, of President Trump, uh, their reaction is, no way that's his voice. That's literally you know, Trump speaking, but he, Austin's just that good. And I thought it was really interesting after the episode, kind of hearing about his strategy, about how he just watches the speeches and kind of, you know, repeats them back, really reiterates the 10,000 hours rule. And that if you like put in the time, you're going to see, you're going to see progress. But, um, but yeah, definitely check him out on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, uh, Austin Nasso. I had such a tough time in our conversation containing my laughter. Um, kind of playing the straight man, the interviewer. If you listen to the audio version, it it's probably more difficult to tell that I was struggling so much. But um, on YouTube, I mean, you see me break probably like 15, 20 times. Um, but it makes me remember like back when I was living in New York before law school and, and when I was doing like some very amateur like 
acting, just being on like small film projects and stuff like that, how, how much I would struggle like keeping a straight face in a serious scene. And I, I actually also remember working on a, uh, I was in a sketch comedy troupe and there was this one scene that we did where myself and three other actors had to play uh, like disillusioned passengers on the New York City subway. So the whole bit was that we're sitting on the subway train and all these people are coming up approaching us with these, you know, incredibly far-fetched stories about what's happened to them and why they need money. Um, and all we had to do was sit there with a straight face while um, other actors would kind of come to us one by one and say, attention, everyone. I am a veteran. I am homeless. I served in the war. I served in World War II, World War One, Korea. Vietnam. I was in the Civil War. I was in the French and Indian War. Um, and and all we had to do that that the the key for that entire scene was just sit there with a straight face. Don't laugh. The audience was going to see us um, remote and detached and not reacting to the to the crazy um, and sometimes poignant stories that people had um, as like a reflection, a mirror image of of how callous New York is. And so I struggled like in those scenes. I was like, there was so much like I would try to bite my lips and bite my cheeks. Sometimes if I had to, I would use my, my hand to cover my face. Um, but I, I, I have a really hard time more than more than any of the other actors in that um, in, in the troupe. And then honestly, more than any anyone else I've, I've worked with, I have a hard time keeping a straight face, keeping it together. You ever watch? I don't know if, if, if listeners watch Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld or It's Always Sunny um, or Community. I really like on those comedies watching the bloopers <laughs> because I can't even imagine how hard it must be on those shows for the actors to keep a straight face. Like imagine, you know, you're on Curb Your Enthusiasm and you're Larry David and you're in a scene with J.B. Smoove who plays Leon and he says something completely ridiculous like, oh my gosh, I would break, I would break every single time. And it would be frustrating for the other actors. Um, I remember I remember reading that um, Michael Richards, who played Kramer on Seinfeld, he would get really pissed off when the other actors would start laughing uh, when they were in scenes with him because, you know, because think about it. If you're content, if you're an actor in that scene and your um, your lines are so funny that they make your coworker break, then you want them to be in the show. But if the coworkers are laughing, but if your uh, uh, scene partners are laughing, they're going to have to re, re uh, you know, they're going to have to reshoot it. So it's like I understand why it's frustrating for for Kramer uh, when Elaine when um, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus or Jerry Seinfeld laugh in those scenes, but it's also like it's so freaking funny. Like how can you not laugh? And um, yeah, so I give I give credit to those guys. Sometimes like the hardest part about being an actor isn't being funny or being entertaining or charismatic or remembering your lines. It's just like it's just like having control over your body such that you can keep yourself from laughing, prevent yourself from, uh, from laughing in those scenes. And I've never been able to master it, and that's prob probably why I never made it because um, I obviously can't do that. I also struggle like my friends and I play this game. And uh, if you're listening, if you're in search of a game uh, to play with your friends, we don't have like a, a trademark or a license or patent on it, but it's it's a pretty clever idea. I don't, I don't even know if we made it up or if it's something that other people play, but it's called the smile game. And the premise is you have to read really funny statements with your friends and try not to smile. It's not laughing. It's try not to smile. So you get a group of people, you know, let's say four or five, six of your friends, and, and you take a bunch of sheets of paper, you rip them, um, and you rip them up until you have like, you know, 10 slices, I guess, of paper. And on each paper slice, you write down 
a sentence and it can be something like if you're in school like me it might be like something outrageous about one of your professors like oh i i saw a professor so and so in the bathroom like doing something weird or you know or you can say like something general like kanye west uh, doesn't use shampoo or you can write like uh, my friends did theme songs so like one one fine day with a wolf and a purr a baby was born and it caused a little stir and the other opponents will reach into the bowl because all the paper slices go into the bowl and pull out the paper and you have to make eye contact with everyone at the table read the entire sentence without smiling and if the majority of the other people say that you smile say that you didn't smile you get a point if you smile you get nothing and you get if you get a point you get to hold on to it and you can target people in this game like let's say um Let's say one of your friends really finds fart jokes funny. You might say like, oh, like I bought a fart in a jar for $19.99 and it was the best purchase ever made. Like something something like that. Um, and w why am I talking about this? Anyways, so I did this with my friends and I by far was the worst. <laughs> was the worst at it. Like no matter how much I told myself, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to read, read the piece of paper. I'm not going to smile. I'm not going to laugh. I just wasn't able to do it. And my friends who haven't acted or done any comedy crushed it. Like they, they were dead inside. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so try the smile game. I'm curious if this is, if I look this up now, smile game. I'm curious if this is a real thing or did I make it up? No, I'm seeing the smiling game is like a video game. But yeah, uh, so, you know, try it if you're bored. It's a good drinking game too. Just rip up some paper and, and try to read it, uh, read a, a sheet without smiling. And um, it's also fun, like, like you can be, like, a really uh, uh, harsh critic for your friend. Be like, oh, like, you kind of smiled. You quivered at the corners of your face, whatever. So, um, I don't know, like, talking to Austin about stand-up and comedy and now talking to you guys about this stuff, like, it makes me want to try stand-up again when I get back to New York. Um, I need to write a bunch of new material because I haven't done it since, I don't even remember, because 2017, 18... I think like 2018, it's been a solid almost four years, but we'll see. You know, I just miss, you know, I miss doing something that like lights me up and, and energizes me. And to be honest, hearing about Austin's journey and how he's quit his job and he, you know, pumps out content every day and he's been obviously so successful already in such a short amount of time with his Instagram and TikTok. It's, it's such an inspiration to me. I'm sure it's inspiring to you guys. And I don't know. So if you're in that boat, and I've talked about this so much on the podcast before that you're probably sick of hearing it. But if you're on that boat where you're like, you don't love your job and you're thinking maybe you want to quit, like like do something you love, I say do it. I say take the plunge, especially if you're young, if you are if you don't have any children, if you don't have any dependents, um, if you can afford to take a couple months to do something like this, why not? You know, like like you don't want to get to the end of your life and, and always regret never having tried it. So so I want to thank Austin Nasso again um, so much for joining me. It, it was a blast. Even if I didn't record this and release it for you guys, it, would, it still would have been a lot of fun um, just riffing with him. So so definitely go ahead and check him out on the socials. Um, and if you're interested in going to any of his stand-up uh, shows, send him a DM. I think he said the link to his bio is on his Instagram. In any event, I hope you guys have enjoyed the content uh, the last couple of weeks on the pod. We've had such incredible guests in 2022 so far. I'm feeling really lucky and really grateful that that you guys are supporting the show. 
um, and helping me grow up the YouTube channel. And yeah, I'm excited for, for what's ahead this year. So keep it locked here for more Nervous Habits. Thanks so much for listening. This has been another episode of Nervous Hips Podcast. You can follow the pod on Instagram at Nervous Hips Podcast, on Twitter at Nervous Hips underscore. Search for full episodes and clips on YouTube. Just search Nervous Habits Podcast. And you can write to the pod via email at nervousnerdspodcast at gmail.com. If you have not yet rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, would really appreciate if you did that. I think that Spotify has a rating system um, that they just launched. So, so please rate the podcast on Spotify if you have not done so as well. And I think that's it for today. Take care and stay nervous. Bye, guys.